have a travel bug. Definitely. I don't know its name. All I know is that I have to feed it at least once a year by going to new and interesting places. From these places, I write about my experiences. So, where on earth am I now? Cusco, Peru, Thursday, the 28th of October, 2010. As it turns out, I got no interviews done before Mum and Dad arrived. The guy who cancelled on Friday didn't call on Thursdays arranged. Getting someone for an hour to talk in this country really is an impossible process. On Tuesday morning, I got up at 5 a.m. to go and pick up my parents from the airport. Only when I came downstairs, I found the doors locked, the lights off, and no one around. I panicked. I couldn't get out of the hostel. I was trapped inside. I couldn't believe everything just shut down at night. I'd never seen the hostel at this time before. What were we supposed to do if there was a fire? All the guests were stuck in the hostel with no way out. I walked all over searching for someone, but had no luck. So I came back to the front and knocked on the office door. I didn't expect a result because it had never been closed before. It was always open. However, I heard a grunt and someone stirring. There was someone asleep in there. The light came on and the door opened. It was a man with the front door keys. He groggily opened the doors, put me in my taxi, and sent me on my way. Bizarre. Anyway, I greeted Mum and Dad. It was so good to see them, and so weird that they were out here with me. And now it was time to be a tourist in La Paz. I hadn't really seen the actual city as a tourist. I'd been working or trying to. But after a rest in the morning, I took Mum and Dad to see the main square, Plaza Murillo, and then we ate lunch in one of my favourite cafes, Manolo's. We of course went slowly, as they had just arrived at high altitude, and I remember how difficult it was for me back in those first few days. After another short rest, we went to a museum, Mum's idea. Just off Plaza Murillo is the Museum of Ethnography and Folklore. It's a lot more interesting than it sounds. At first, we found ourselves in a gallery of modern art. Now, for some people, this is what makes them tick. For the Monero family, it is just two planks of wood stuck together and sold for a million pounds. So we moved on. The next rooms were far more rewarding. The feather room showed all different headdresses made, well, out of feathers. Funnily enough, peacock feathers, parrot feathers, the works. The colours were incredible. And there were the most amazing designs, so intricately woven together. Next was the mask room. This was even more impressive. It was very dark with special lighting, and as you walked in and turned the corner, you were likely to emit a wow. The room stretched on like a long dark corridor, and there were endless masks, again of all colours. Some were scary, with eyes that followed you. Others I could just stare at for hours. They were just so amazing. The museum itself was in an old converted palace, so when you weren't looking at the masks or feathers, you were staring up at the ceilings and the walls. The final room had tapestries and Inca-patterned quilts on the walls. One of them proudly displayed the swastika. Dad translated the description. It turns out it was an ancient symbol long before it was misused by Hitler. This reassured me a little, as on a minibus that morning I had sat next to a man with a cap. Bearing the swastika. Let's hope he was just really into his Inca symbolism. 
The next morning, I was scheduled to have my interview with Lucia from Radio Pachamama. I was all ready with my question guide and a jug of water and Dad as my interpreter. A football team had arrived in the hostel and were making themselves heard. I was thinking, was this going to be a problem? But as it turns out, Lucia didn't turn up. We waited an hour. I called her and she said she had a personal problem and couldn't make it. Fair enough, but she could have called. So off we went to the witch's market. I'd been aching to take mum and dad here. We bought various gifts and I got myself a great new jumper made out of alpaca wool. Alpaca is a bit like a llama and the wool feels incredible. It'll keep me warm when I get back to the UK in the dead of winter. We then went to another cathedral, aside from the one in Plaza Murillo. This was just off El Prado. Actually, it was more of a monastery. It was huge. In the main garden, we had a mini tour. The lady picked a bud from the plant, which is used to make the spicy picante dip they eat with everything here. She gave it to me. So when it ripens, I can have fresh picante. Cool. We were also allowed right up onto the roof. There were some great views of the city and the rest of the monastery, which, despite being so massive, was only the home of four Franciscan monks. After taking many photos and seeing the bell tower, we had to make it down further south in the city to get our tour bus. So, we missed it. This was all my fault, as I'd misjudged the traffic, which was awful that day. So we ate lunch and waited for the other half of the tour. It was so hot that day. The city tour was fascinating, though a little weird, since I was doing it after having lived in La Paz for over a month. I saw areas I hadn't been to before, and areas I knew quite well took on a new significance. The highlight was certainly when the bus left the city centre and went up the hill to the east of the city. This was the perfect viewpoint, the best I'd had so far. There was the snow-covered peak of Illimani, there were the surrounding mountains, and there was La Paz, endlessly beeping and glistening in the sunlight, where it sat in its bowl, carved out of the lunar landscape. After the tour, it was another rush back to the hostel to meet Roberto again. He took us down to his aunt's flat, Frida. We also met his cousin, Rudy. She made us corn with cheese. It was so filling. We had jelly and ice cream as well. Everything in moderation. What a long day it had been. We went back to the hostel and straight to bed. The next day was even more intense. In the morning, we checked out of the hostel and headed to the airport. We had a flight to catch. Our destination is where I am writing this now. Cusco, an ancient Inca city in the neighbouring country of Peru. This was, and still is, the beating heart of what was at one time a vast empire. The views from the plain were incredible enough. Mountains and canyons rising and falling, and then a valley flattens out just enough for the city of Cusco to sit. First observations? Cusco is far more touristy and commercial than anywhere I saw in Bolivia. Allow me to illustrate with an example. One of the first things you see as the plane lands and taxis to the gate is a huge billboard sign erected on the side of the Andes. And what does it say? McDonald's welcomes you to Cusco. Brilliant. This was the first time I'd seen the Golden Arches in over a month. They don't exist in Bolivia, and I'm glad they don't. What else? Oh yeah, Cusco is posh. 
Seriously, ooh la la, it is so swanky. The centre is full of perfect little hotels with balconies and fountains in almost every square. No skyscrapers, though, nothing tall. It is a fairly flat city, and less polluted, too. The people still drive like maniacs, but there are far less cars and little in the way of transport. I've only noticed the odd bus here and there, and it is far less noisy than La Paz. You certainly realise that you have left one capital city and entered a smaller, quieter tourist destination in another country. It's more expensive, too. We had lunch in a tapas bar and then set off on a city tour. This lasted hours, but was brilliant. The best stop, by far, was the first one, a tour of the cathedral. This is huge, as it is technically three churches side by side. Our guide was brilliant. He really knew his stuff. And you could tell he was so passionate about his work, too. I love that. He explained the reason why the Virgin Mary is depicted as a woman in the shape of a huge triangle in all the paintings and sculptures. The Spanish told the Incas, when they arrived in Peru, that they had to stop with their faith and believe in Catholicism, or they would die. The people of Peru were confused. They couldn't see how they could be the Mother Earth, or Pachamama, they believed in, and the Virgin Mary as well. So when they painted the Virgin Mary, as the Spanish forced them, they painted her in the shape of a triangle, or mountain, to symbolise Mother Earth as well, without the Spanish realising. Pachamama is Mother Earth. And it didn't end there. In fact, that is only the beginning. In the same painting our guide showed us, hidden in Mary's clothes and in the baby Jesus, the images of the Inca's three worlds, represented by the condor, the puma and the snake. It was incredible when you saw it. It was like an optical illusion. Still today, there are elements of both the Inca faith and Catholicism mixed together in people's modern-day belief. Another example was in a huge painting of the Last Supper. Jesus and the disciples were eating guinea pig, a typical Andean dish. Now this bit was cool. All the disciples in the painting had the same pale face, apart from one red-faced man at the front staring out at you. Was he Judas? He should have been. But actually, our guide told us, Judas had been depicted with the face of Franco Pizarro, a Spanish invader who had come and pillaged vast amounts of Inca gold. And, sure enough, there in the painting where Judas, or Franco, sat, he was clutching a little bag which glowed golden in colour, and if you looked hard enough, it lit up the rest of his robes. There he was, stealing Inca gold in a painting made right under the noses of the Spanish. Genius. We also saw the Lord of the Earthquake. This was the name of the crucifix in the main cathedral, which had apparently been paraded around Cusco's main square during an earthquake and had caused the ground to become still. The next stop on the tour was an old Inca temple site with a Spanish church built literally on top of it. It was a depressing sight but an interesting contrast. We were then taken out of the city to several old Inca ruins. Our guide told us so much, it was fascinating. The city of Cusco itself is in the shape of a puma, and one very important site is located at the puma's head. The main square with the cathedral is the puma's heart. However, Cusco doesn't mean puma at all. It means navel, as it was the navel of the ancient Inca empire. As we visited each site, 
we were rewarded with awesome views of Cusco and the surrounding Andes. Cusco itself is at a much lower altitude than La Paz, so the terrain is not as steep and harsh. It is certainly much greener. That night, after the tour, we ate in Cusco's city centre. I'm still not sure now of what I had. It was a bit like corn, but mixed with lots of cheese, potatoes and rice. It was great. I also had my first Pisco Sour. All three of us did. These drinks make the world go round. It was the best cocktail, quite sweet and sour at the same time, and very lemony. These are the sorts of drink which aren't great for me because they don't taste alcoholic at all. They're just like juice, so I can knock them back without realising. However, that night we were all like zombies. We were so tired. So we had just the one and went to bed. Well, we had been up at 6am in Bolivia that morning. Besides, we needed our energy for the next day, because it was going to be another long one. We were off to the jewel of this part of the world, this entire continent, in fact. The whole reason Mum and Dad had come out here in the first place. The entire reason the three of us had journeyed across to Peru. Tomorrow was Machu Picchu Day. The Travel Bog Podcast is written and produced by David Monero. For exclusive pictures and videos to accompany the series, go to twitter.com forward slash David Monero.